0: welcome everybody it is a special edition of no punt intended today it is thursday night i am joshua hudson hosting today is austin Amendolia. with us is a couple more of our expert rankings ryan ranker excuse me ryan weiss Joel worth and today we are breaking down our consensus running back rankings there has been a little bit of heat we've caught on twitter so far because apparently having Najee harris at rb2 is a little contrarian but hey What the hell do we know? How about we get into this and let the show get going?
1: What's going on, y'all? I'm Austin Amendolia. I am your host tonight. I am so excited to talk running backs. Like Josh mentioned, we have gotten a little bit of flack on Twitter for our our rankings. And this is why we're talking about them is because some of our rankings are a little bit bonkers to me, and I think it's worth talking about. Um, But first, I want to introduce all of our rankers. And we have a smaller crowd tonight, so I'm going to ask everybody how they're doing. Um, So first, to my left from what i can tell is josh hudson founder of club fantasy at the one hudsonian josh how you doing
0: oh man ready to fight about running backs apparently because uh <laughs> the hot topic today
1: <laughs> did 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 you bring your helmet like uh aaron donald
0: no <laughs> we're, we're not swinging like that buddy <laughs> i like
2: okay, everybody cool. on the screen we're good <laughs> <laughs>
1: awesome uh next but beneath me is Ryan Weiss, my co-host for Market Like It's Hot at the Fantasy 5. Ryan, how you doing?
2: I am fantastic. It is my son's 13th birthday, so we had a day of Bowling, and then we went and seen Bullet Train, which is a fantastic movie. If you guys haven't watched it, it's a very fun movie. Um, and got Duck Donuts. If you haven't had Duck Donuts, find somewhere where there is a Duck Donuts because it is fantastic. They like make fresh donuts in front of you. But it was a hell of a morning, and now I get to end it fighting with you guys. Unfortunately, Steve and his insane rankings aren't here this week, but Joel is here for us to pick on because he has a couple of crazy thoughts himself. So.
1: Yeah. And also, um, rumor has it Ryan's son can now curse in the house. Yes. So So if anyone wants to know how
2: terrible of a parent we are, Um, (laughs) me and my wife are very foul-mouthed individuals. I tend to keep it hidden pretty well on the show, but not always. Um, But we are very foul-mouthed individuals, and my wife is actually worse than I am. And my son has been longing for this day, and we always told him 13 years old. So. He got to drop some F-bombs today and sing along with some music that he's never got to sing along with before. So it's an interesting day for Donovan.
1: <laughs> I love it. And then finally, Joel Wirth at the Joel Worth. Joel, how are you doing today?
3: Awesome. We can get to chop it up here. And then uh, we're about an hour away from Packers Chiefs. Fire oh, it up. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Um, also, our consensus rankers, we have Chris Molina at chrismo two four one three. And Steve Lawson at FF by committee. They couldn't join us tonight. We're pressing ahead and we're not going to talk about their rankings tonight since they're not here. But you can catch all of our rankings on our website at clubfantasyffl.com. Our rankings get updated every Friday. So you're going to hear us talk about it tonight. And we might reference some rankings that are a little bit different than what's on our website right now. And that's because they will be updated tomorrow. Last week, we talked about quarterbacks and tight ends. You can go back and check those out. Check that stream out from last week. And then next week, we will be talking wide receivers. Um, But tonight, we're focused on running backs, and we're going to just jump right into it. I have a few questions for us to start out, and then I have a bunch of backup questions if we have time. We're going to start out with our consensus rankings, and I'm just going to read through our consensus top 12. So these are the running back one tier in in 12-team leagues. And so for our consensus rankings, we have Jonathan Taylor at number one. Big shock there. Najee Harris at running back two. Apparently, Austin big Eckler. Shock big shock. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Uh, no, you're great. <laughs> Austin Eckler at running back three, Christian McCaffrey at running back four, Derrick Henry five, number six we have Saquon Barkley, seven Dalvin Cook, number eight Joe Mixon nine Aaron Jones ten DeAndre Swift eleven Javante Williams and at running back twelve rounding out our rb our consensus rb one is Alvin Kamara. So. I want to start off the show by talking about the fact that it is much more useful to talk about most rankings in terms of tiers. And so we are not going to sit here and fight about who should be RB1 versus RB2, because to me, that's not an important conversation. If you look at the top four or five players, to me, they're all in the same tier. You can make an argument that the top six players, maybe even seven, are all in the same tier to me, and I would be fine with it. And if you have any of those top five to seven players as your running back one, you probably feel pretty damn good about it. So we're not going to fuss too much about who is RB1 versus RB2. That said, I do want to talk about Christian McCaffrey because he's had some well documented injuries over the past two seasons. And it's been honestly very interesting to watch how people think about him this year. And some. Some folks are very down on Christian McCaffrey, don't want a piece of him at all because they're worried about the injury worries. For some people, he's still their running back one. In fact, I just moved Christian McCaffrey up to my RB1 slot uh, this week because I'm just feeling that good about the talent there. But he's still seen as the number two running back in our consensus, despite some interesting rankings from some of our rankers. And we're going to turn to... That person right now. So, Joel, you have Christian McCaffrey at RB 23. So, he is a low end RB 2 in your mind. Or, actually, sorry, you did have him at RB 23, <laughs> but you've actually moved him now further down to RB 25. So, he is not a starting running back in your mind at this point. So, what are your concerns with Christian McCaffrey this year?
3: Well, I mean, the injury, we'll just get that out of the way. The injury history is is real and significant. He's had as many elite years as he has. Oh shit, my season's over in week six years, which is the last two. So, I mean, you, you can't ignore that. And, that. and this is coming from a zero RB guy. This is why I avoid running backs. The injury risk is real for all of them. It's more pronounced with him in general. I also think that they understand that he's important to their team. Matt Rule is basically in a win now or you're out of here year, uh, So they need, they're going to talk a big game about putting him out there and letting him run wild. I think they brought in Deontay Vorman to be the goal line back. It, it, that's, I think he's going to take touchdowns away from McCaffrey. You take those goal line touchdowns away. He's a much less useful player. Uh, you can't, you can't count on a hundred receptions out of a running back. You just can't. It's an outlier season. He's had two of them. Sure. But that's not something that's necessarily repeatable. It was in a different offense. It was with a different quarterback. I I don't see that repeating. I don't see him being the same guy. He's 25 now. I mean, he's not the same guy he was two years ago, three years ago. So, that's I have significant concerns. I'm not going to get him where he's going.
0: And I'm okay and with it. And If I was washed up at 25, holy shit! <laughs> Life in the NFL.
1: okay before i go to josh to give us a counterpoint on this i do want to ask joel because this is actually something we haven't talked about and we maybe should talk about some people have different philosophies on how they rank and what they think about when they rank i know josh and ryan they do projections and that does influence how they rank people i tend to rank based off of where am i actually drafting these players and where do i feel comfortable drafting them joel what are you thinking about when you're ranking players in general so
3: I don't do projections just because, you know, outside of best ball, you know, fantasy football is a weekly, was a weekly yeah. game. And that means yeah. year end, this isn't baseball. This isn't almost nobody plays Roto fantasy football. So, you know, the year, year end numbers aren't as important as your numbers from week to week. Um, so, you know, I, I tried to slide McCaffrey in where I thought he would end up. And that's, you know, if he plays you know, 10, 12 games and, you know, has the role I expect from him. I, I I figure he he probably is somewhere around you know a back end RB two.
1: Yeah, and I think that's important context just to note. Like Joel's accounting for injuries and um, Josh Ryan. I'm assuming that your uh, projections do not account do not predict any injuries for Christian McCaffrey. Um, and to that, and I'm gonna come to Josh because Josh has Christian McCaffrey as the RB one. And so you are big on him this year. Are you drafting him RB1 because he could win you your first three matchups? And that's incredible. Like he's going to he's healthy right now and going to start out the season hot. Or do you think he actually finishes as the RB1?
0: Over his last four years, 24.1 points per game, 29.4 points per game, 30.1 points per game, 18.2 points per game. That's why I'm drafting him in RB1. Because none of these other running backs offer that type of legitimate upside. Because he is hands down the most talented pass catching running back in the NFL. Ryan, did you not like write a, an article about how much targets, targets are more valuable than rushing attempts? Yeah. Well, guess what? You take away a hundred rushing attempts from a full season of Christian McCaffrey, he still has better odds of being the RB one because his odds of leading the league in targets and receptions as a receiving back are the highest or should be the highest in my opinion that's just how talented he is you can you bring in Deonta Foreman awesome best case scenario he's the Mark Ingram to McCaffrey's Alvin Kamara and it's a split backfield guess what who's catching all those passes it ain't 230 40 pound Deonta Foreman i can promise you that Foreman hasn't even shown that he's an elite touchdown producer in this league. McCaffrey has two seasons above 10 plus total rushing touchdowns. And two years ago was at 19. I understand this is a different quarterback. Guess what? It's still the same system that he's had the last couple of years. So I, am not like overly worried that, you know, this is just going to falter because he's the most talented all around running back in the NFL, in my opinion. And maybe he's not an in-between tackles guy at 205, 210 pounds. And that's fine. He doesn't need to be. You get him in space and he's going to go because that's his game. They don't have a legitimate slot wide receiver in this offense. You can miss me with this Terrace Marshall crap. Like, sorry, he hasn't done shit. Okay. He hasn't done anything. So you put Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore out wide. You put McCaffrey in the slot with Foreman in the backfield. That's the best formation that this offense is going to give baker mayfield give me all of those targets
1: yeah i love that um ryan do you have anything you want to add on christian mccaffrey
2: i I actually agree with almost everything joel's saying and it really boils down to there's two different ways that people do their projections you have people like what joel are doing is where you think they're going to finish And then people who just live off of where they would draft them. Even though I do projections, I do projections with very little injury baked in. I will occasionally um, adjust quarterback rankings based on if I think they're going to lose their job to a backup. Like, it's pretty easy not to project Mitch Trubisky for 17 games this year. You you expect that um, whatever the hell the kid's name is is going to play a little bit. So, (laughs) pick it. Um, But anyway... So I don't have a necessary issue with anything Joel's saying. Um, my interesting concept is Deontay Foreman being the goal line back. Um, I, I like to look at certain things, and the way Baker Mayfield is going to throw the ball, um, I bring this up on every damn show. I think we could be looking at pass interference calls. So it's not like Matt. Christian McCaffrey is going to have to lead them up the field on every drive, so those are touchdowns McCaffrey's still going to get because if it was one quick play to Robbie Anderson, the ball went out or got pass interference at the five yard line, all of a sudden it's McCaffrey by himself. He's not even tired, so I I don't disagree that you're not going to see Deontay Foreman. I wouldn't jump on grabbing him much. Um, From the reports I've been reading, he's basically splitting time perfectly with Chuba Hubbard, and they're saying Chuba's actually really improved his pass blocking as well. So I think there is a scenario where Christian McCaffrey doesn't play as much, but where I disagree with Joel is I think it will be on carries. And I agree with Josh, it's receptions and targets are going to flow his way. His worst reception count in this league is five per game in in his entire career is five per game. Well, in a 17 game season, that's 85 receptions. That still puts him, I think, third in the entire NFL last year. That's on his worst possible season. And I do, I, I concede it is a different offense, but like Josh said, it's a different offense with not very good second wide receiver options, but in my opinion, far more importantly, terrible Tight end options, running back and tight end targets tend to correlate. And when you can't throw the ball to Tommy Tremble and Ian, whatever the hell his name is, Tommy. shout out to Lauren who uh, was very wrong. Ian Thomas very wrong on him last year. But anyway, you're going to throw to Christian McCaffrey, and so those are targets I think funnel to Christian McCaffrey in this offense. And I think the targets are what are going to put him there. It, it's hard for me to put him at one because I'm such a believer in Jonathan Taylor. And if I have the 101 it's Taylor for me. And then everybody can miss me with this. He can't repeat stuff. If I have the one Oh two, it's still Christian McCaffrey because as much as I love Cooper cup and Justin Jefferson, I can't guarantee that they're going to see the weekly volume that if Christian McCaffrey's playing, he
0: will see. I will point out that I do have McCaffrey at, at RB one. And I only have him with 207 rushing attempts. Like that's how valuable. Those targets are, and I do have them with double-digit touchdowns. So take that for what you will.
1: Yeah, and Ryan, you bring up an interesting point with the targets that go to running backs and tight ends. And what one thing that I think is important to know about this offense is that Baker Mayfield, he makes his living passing outside of the hash marks. He does not pass over the middle of the field a lot. And so he is not typically going to be going to... The tight end spot in the middle of the field but Christian McCaffrey he can come out and um, do a route to the outside hash marks and Baker Mayfield thrives in that space and so you could see McCaffrey get a lot of targets from Mayfield just because of that setup and that style of a passer that Mayfield is um, I think for me just to round out this conversation the thing for Christian McCaffrey is I do, there, I do have nerves about potential injury risk, but if he wins me my first one to six games, that's worth it to me, and that helps me get into the playoffs down the stretch. I've had plenty of fantasy seasons where I'm one win away from having made it to the playoffs, and that's all I would have needed to have potentially won that league. So I'm going to take every win I can get, and if I'm getting McCaffrey, I'll accept the fact that I might have to go searching for a running back on the waivers later in the be, season.
2: It would be interesting to know... Oh, go
0: ahead.
1: Come.
2: No, I was say it'd be interesting say. to know with the like four five games that he played real last season uh, 27, 24, 14, 26, 25 fantasy points. It'd be interesting to know what the percentage of Christian McCaffrey managers made the playoffs last year. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but that's that's an interesting point you bring up, Austin. When it comes a to a
1: guy injuries. in my home league, sorry, a guy in my home Go league on. with Christian McCaffrey won our league last year and he had him the whole season. Yeah. So he got those Gosh, five wins.
0: Once is a chance, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. If he gets hurt this year, I'll buy into the interview. <laughs> all right. Let's, 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 let's chill a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I think that's reasonable. So next, uh, I alluded to this on Twitter. Next player I want to talk about is Javante Williams, because he is another one of these players that is, uh, I would say, fairly polarizing, um, especially on the Twitterverse. And the reason I want to talk to him is we do have him ranked as a consensus RB1 at the RB11 overall. And what this group of folks have had a lot of chatter about Javante Williams. When we first internally started discussing our rankings, I think this was the first player that we all latched onto like, oh no, we're going to fight about this because we had some major disagreements. Um, So for this, I'm going to do a round Robin because I think, we all kind of span the spectrum on how we feel about Williams. And we're going to start again with Joel, who is a bit of an outlier on Javante Williams in our consensus ranking and has him ranked as the RB two this year. Joel, what makes you think Javante Williams is going to be number two this year?
3: I think he is the most likely to do what Jonathan Taylor did last year, which is come off a a very good rookie season with some competition for touches uh, and then just kind of blow that competition away and take the backfield to himself. And that's going to be a very good offense. Uh, It's you you got Russell Wilson, which is a massive upgrade. You've got a much better coaching staff. People are afraid of Melvin Gordon taking his, you know, taking some touches away. They signed Melvin Gordon on April 26th. April 26th was two days before the NFL draft. Okay. Think of how many mock drafts you read between the start of free agency and the draft. Hundreds? Thousands? Think That's a long time. They, they basically went yeah. six weeks where they left him out there. They didn't care about bringing him back. It was like, all right, let's 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 bring him back. He's still out there. Let's bring him back. He has no connection to the coaching staff. He has no connection to the scheme. He's He's a backup running back. And there's no reason to think that he is going to take a significant portion of this workload. We've heard from we've heard from Melvin Gordon himself say that they want Javante Williams to be the guy. So, I mean, what more of an endorsement can you guys for? Joel's I mean, the talent material. He, the talent's there, the workload is going to be there. He's he's like what, 21 years old? It's crazy.
1: Uh, so, Ryan, we are going to come to you next because you have him at RB8. So you're not quite as high as Joel, but you do have him finishing as an RB1 this year. Ryan, do you have anything to add? No, nah, Joel
2: said it best. I mean, honestly, I just had to put a blurb together for football guys for um, how we kind of said uh, what they call it, the, the hype players where the hype is now starting to build and training camp but um some of us were already on board early well i i don't have him ranked as my rb2 just because i do think melvin gordon is still a bit of a thorn in his side i could see him being rb2 i could literally see him finishing as rb1 as joel and i have actually talked about so um i just think you're going to see a situation where i love what joel said what melvin gordon said they want javanta williams to be the guy i understand and josh i I, I'm going to battle wrap you here. I'm going to eight mile you and say everything you're going to use against me. But I understand <laughs> that Melvin Gordon has always scored eight touchdowns and he's always finished as an RB 24 and all of these things. But that was a not 29 year old Melvin Gordon in an offense that probably wanted him and didn't have a better 21 year old option. So give me all Javante Williams, but far more importantly, the one thing Joel left out is, and my favorite thing, if you've tuned into any of our episodes This is going to be a Green Bay-esque system, and in the Green Bay-esque system, Javonta Williams is Aaron Jones. We have seen this system produce a top five running back in 2019 and 2020 in Aaron Jones. If that's Javonta Williams splitting time with A.J. Dillon and Melvin Gordon, he can still be a top five running back and Gordon can still be a fantasy factor. I just think Javonta Williams provides the better option, and the loss of Tim Patrick now opens up where they don't have a great third wide receiver. K.J. Hamler's not even healthy yet. So I think you could see a lot of targets flowing Javonta Williams' way in this office offense from Russell
0: Wilson. It's going to be great. Bro, you just said my real name's Clarence, and I'm we, we, we straight up beefing That's on right. this one. <laughs> Josh's parents have a real right.
2: good marriage. That said... <laughs>
0: all right so i I, here's what i don't see like this whole javante williams is aaron jones speed differences all the way aaron jones williams has a nose for the end zone but guess what melvin gordon's jones melvin gordon's nose is better for the end zone dude has not had less than nine touchdowns in six of seven years i knew like this is what he does all right it's what he does he scores touchdowns so i understand that you know The Broncos maybe want Javante Williams to be the guy, and that's great. But why are you going to sideline a guy that knows how to get the ball in the fucking end zone? You're just not going to do it. So if this is a scenario where, you know, Gordon comes in and takes a lot of those short yardage touchdowns, and Javante Williams is the guy that, you know, is racking up all the yards, that's going to cap that top three ceiling because he's not scoring 10-plus touchdowns. I'm not saying that Javante Williams can't do it. Because he absolutely can. It's in his profile going all the way back to UNC. As long as Gordon is there, and we did see him get hurt last year. So I'm not saying that, you know, he's not hitting that age where he can consistently play the, you know, 15, 16, 17 game seasons. Whereas, you know, Williams made it all the way through, and that's fantastic. This is a much better offense, and I want, and I'm all the way in on it. I have Gordon as the top 24 guy, I have Javante Williams as the top 12 guy. Not saying that he can't be a top five running back, can't finish that high. But the things that I look at are double-digit touchdowns, a large portion of yardage numbers, but I'm also looking at top-end speed, too. And that's just something that Go- or that Williams does not have. He's not going to have a lot of those long breakaway runs because he's going to get tracked down. So those are things that cap that level of upside to me. Still love him as an as an RB one guy, and I'm more than willing to have him there. But I'm probably going to stack him with like high upside RB twos. Whereas you guys, the way that you're selling this, I don't think that you're looking at it that way.
1: Yeah, and I think Josh, that gets to um, my feelings on Javante Williams. Is he, I. Can see a pathway for him to be an RB one this year, but I'm not drafting him as an RB one this year because if in order to do that, I have to draft him over some players like Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette, guys that have shown us they can be RB ones and have shown their teams that they are clear, clearly the lead back in that team, and they're not getting as much competition. So I don't want to rule out the possibility of a top 12 season for Williams. I have him ranked as the RB 14 because that's where I would draft him. Um, and even then, like I I haven't gotten, I honestly, for me, I haven't gotten to a place in a draft where I'm like, oh yeah, I feel really good about drafting Javante Williams right now. Cause there's always a, another running back that I feel just a little bit better about, or I'll be like, you know, I'll just wait on running back and get a receiver at this point. That's for me. But I think the point of this conversation is you kind of have to decide how much are you willing to bet on javante williams having that rb1 upside if you are fine taking that risk that he does something that he hasn't done before when there are other players on the on the board that have taken that rb1 upside you may get a lot of bragging rights at the end of the season and that would be great but if you if you take that risk you might miss out on another running back that's shown us they can be in the top 12.
2: Well, that's what I find interesting is, like, so we, we're talking about Aaron Jones, and Aaron Jones is a guy that I love a lot, and I think we're going to talk about him later in the show, so I won't get too much into it. But they're going, like, right next to each other. You, you guys are saying you wouldn't draft Javante Williams as an RB1, and Joel, I know you're not going to draft him because you're a 0RB guy, and you two clearly aren't going to draft him because you don't believe in him, but... I don't have to draft him as an RB1. What I love about Javonta Williams is, is if I have a first three pick and I walk out of a first three pick with Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, and then I'm picking in the last three of the second round, Javonta Williams is probably there for me based on ADP right now. He's right around 19, 20, 21. He's my RB2 with what I feel has the same upside as my RB1. And that's where it's a home run for me. Now, where I do get risky and where I will do this is at the end of the first round, Like Joel, I'm a Travis Kelsey guy, but I will 100% take Kelsey. And then if Aaron Jones went off the board, I will take Javonta Williams in the second round. Javonta Williams and Aaron Jones are my second round running back targets above anybody else based on ADP. If those two are there for me in the second round, that's who I want to walk out of the second round with, pretty much regardless of what I did in the first round. Yeah,
1: and And just for
3: reference... just getting back to the Aaron go. Jones thing real quick. I mean, Aaron Jones scores double digit touchdowns every year, despite having A.J. Dillon, who's another elite goal back on the same team, despite having Aaron Rodgers, who is a black hole ball hog at the end zone. So it, it whether Gordon can siphon some of those touchdowns, and there can still be quite a few for him to take. There's no reason he can't hit double digit you know, 12, 14 touchdowns, even with Melvin Gordon on the team. I mean, the team scored 16 rushing
2: touchdowns last year. Um, And so if you give Melvin Gordon the eight that Josh knows he's going to score, that's still eight around there for Javante Williams, if you assume they're the same team, but they're not. Russell Wilson makes them such a better team. And you talked about last week, (laughs)
1: Brian.
3: Exactly. You talked about last week about the the pass interference calls with Cortland Sutton going down to the goal line. They don't really have, I mean, they've got Albert O, but other than that, they don't have a big end zone type wide receiver. I mean, Jerry Judy's a route guy, Cortland Sutton's a deep guy. They don't have, you know, the big, big body Devontae Adams type guy to to take touch
2: to take passing looks away in the end zone. I'm hearing terrifying things about their tight ends, by the way. I know this isn't the show for it, but Dulcich is not ready and Alberto cannot block to save his life it's it's not going to be pretty for Denver tight ends in my opinion Corlin Sutton
0: season baby (laughs) yes
1: I'm on board (laughs) that also would seem like it's a bad sign for Denver running backs if you don't have tight ends that can block
2: oh no I think the guys who can block will be on the field and I think Alberto and uh and Dulcich may not be on the field as much as you want. So
3: they did just fine with What's Noah up? Fant last year. I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> Can it be worse? <laughs> not.
1: Okay. I'm going to wrap up this conversation by saying I think, Ryan, you mentioned the addition of Russell Wilson. I think that that means that they don't have to run the ball as much. Like last year, they ran the ball. A decent amount because they had freaking Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback options. Like they didn't have a quarterback that could really push the ball down the field. And I think Russell Wilson brings that. And so I do think the overall rushing volume goes down. So to me, even if Javante Williams gets a higher snap share, the overall volume is going to be lower than last year. And that makes me nervous. I also disagree that they don't have a good uh, end zone target at wide receiver. Portland Sutton is two foot six foot four and two hundred and sixteen pounds. I think he's going to be just fine bodying up receivers or and he's a defensive back wide receiver.
0: By the way, like that's his game. Throw it up, yeah. he's going to go up and get it.
2: I'm going to misquote the stats completely, but uh, Alex Caruso, who finds a lot of really interesting stats, put up something where. Cortland Sutton in his career has like a 30% end zone target share. I'm guessing that's compared to the rest of the guys on the team. And then Russell Wilson is like top five when it comes to end zone targets for wide receivers. So you could have some interesting things there.
1: So So I want to wrap up our, um, RB one, discussion just by briefly touching on Alvin Kamara. Um, He's currently our consensus RB12. He's been moving upward in our rankings, and I mentioned this on our Monday Mock It Like It's Hot show, but basically the main concern of Kamara this year has been whether or not he's going to get suspended. All of the signs that I'm seeing suggest that he is not getting suspended this year. Um, Essentially, the league seems to be taking the stance that they've taken before that they are going to wait until The uh, criminal portion of the allegations against him have played out before they step in with any suspensions. Kamara's lawyer has been delaying that um, criminal investigation and kind of pushing back the hearings involved in that. And they're likely to continue doing so. And so I imagine Kamara plays 17 games this year. So I'm ranking him as if he plays 17 games um, I still am not sure if I'm going to be actually drafting him or not because I like to pull for the players that are on my fantasy team. Um, but the only other thing I would add to this is there's like a ounce of risk still with Kamara. Um, and I would recommend anybody who like wants to get in the weeds on this type of content, follow Drew Davenport on Twitter. He is incredible at breaking down all of these legal situations and helping make it very clear to non-lawyers, essentially. And um, just did a Kamara post yesterday or the day before, so exactly. And one thing that he noted that I thought was very important is there is there has been rumors, or I think it, it we may even know that it's officially that it's true that there is a video out there in existence of the fight that occurred that where Kamara was involved. And the ounce of risk is if that were to leak or if any information were to leak that was more incriminating of Chimera, then it could spur the league into taking action on the suspension. I don't know how likely that is. Like it seems very likely since it hasn't happened so far. And so there's like an ounce of risk there and it's not something I'm taking into account with my rankings at this moment. So with that, we're going to now talk about our RB2 tier and this is where some things get fairly interesting in my mind. And there are a lot of different conversations we could have. So our RB2 rankings, starting with our RB13, is Ezekiel Elliott, followed by Nick Chubb at 14, Brees Hall at 15, Leonard Fournette at 16, Travis Etienne at 17, James Conner at 18, Josh Jacobs at 19, AJ Dillon at 20, Antonio Gibson at 21, but probably not for long. <laughs> David Montgomery at twenty two, because apparently you all hate me, and J.K. Dobbins (laughs) at twenty three, and then we round up with Cam Akers at RB twenty four. So the first thing I want to talk about, surprisingly, is not David Montgomery, even though I really wanted to. Oh, well, I'm sure we'll get to him. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if we have time, we will get to him. Uh, I first want to talk about Nick Chubb, because I'm going to just say all this stuff to begin with this time, and start with the punchline. (laughs) in PPR, in PPR. People are like Nick Chubb is only a standard non-PPR running back. Yet, in PPR, he has been a top 12 running back two of the past 3 years. Last year, he was RB30 or RB13 but missed 3 games. And in 2020, he was RB11 after playing only 12 games. The dude is a beast when he's on the field, even though he doesn't have the passing equity that other running backs have. And so we have him outside our RB1 tier. I'm the only one that has him ranked as a top 10. And so my question is, are we expecting regression from him? Is this accounting for a new offensive system? Like Not at this point. Deshaun Watson's not playing for the first 11 games, so I don't think it's to do with that anymore. I want to know why folks are so low on him. And by low, I mean, RB 13 and RB 15. Yeah. So we're going to start with Josh on this one. Cause you have him ranked at RB 13. Josh, why do you have Nick Chubb outside of the RB one rankings? I
0: mean, one
1: spot outside of RB one rankings. <laughs> like, I mean, let's be Son honest. We pitch. know some of
0: these running backs are going to get hurt, right? <laughs> the dude is going to finish as an RB one. If he plays 13 games, like, I, I don't think that's really out of the question. The problem is, is that, chubb is not a sexy pick and everybody when they when they get to a certain point it's like i want upside i want the guy that can potentially be a top three running back in this league i have nick chubb statted out for the second most rushing yards among running backs i have him scoring 13 rushing touchdowns like he's going to be the centerpiece of this offense for probably the first two-thirds of this season because Deshaun Watson's not there. The the plus side for Nick Chubb is that you still have a quarterback in Jacoby Brissett who can utilize his legs. He's not Deshaun Watson utilizing his legs, but he has some mobility, and that still forces a defense to stay honest. He averages over five yards per carry for his career. He could quite possibly be the best pure runner in the NFL, but I only have him for 21 targets. The guy just does not get thrown the football. And I don't know why, because he's actually good with the ball in his hands, but they, they want to use Kareem hunt in that role, which again, I really don't know why, because I feel like Kareem hunt is on the downside of his career and people are going to fight me on that comment and that's fine. But that that's just what you're getting with Nick Chubb. He's not sexy. He is. He's gonna be a low end RB one. You're getting what you're paying for. There's not a lot of upside, and that's why people fade him. In my opinion,
2: I just want to throw out that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are the same age, <laughs> 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 three
0: three months apart. But <laughs> and Kareem Hunt still isn't as talented as. Nick oh,
2: I know. You're, you're, I'm just. I love that you said Hunt's on the downside of his
0: career. It's like. Hey, does how quickly mean, did Todd Gurley fall? Well, I was going to say, does saying, that like, mean when like,
2: Chubb turns 27 in December, he's on the downside of his career? So you're just uh, playing him for the first time? Oh, no. I season. have Nick Chubb on
0: the Frank Gore path. Homeboy blew out both his men <laughs> And it's like, I got a new lease on life, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take it to
2: even simpler terms. I don't like the Browns offense. Um, it has nothing to do with Nick Chubb for me. Um, The Browns offensive line is not as great as they once were. They're still dealing with injuries there. They're moving players around. They say what you will about Baker Mayfield. You had to respect him far more than you needed to respect Jacoby Brissett. Now you only have one wide receiver to worry about. Not that you really ever had two to worry about in the past. There are a lot of things about this Browns offense. I think Kevin Stefanski took a step back as a play caller last year. Like there was a lot to not like About This Browns offense and it gets worse this year with lack of continuity. I've lived in Northeast Ohio my entire life. The one thing I could never understand about the Browns is their willingness to fucking start over every year new coach new quarterback continuity teams that win the Super Bowl it's typically some version of continuity the coach has been there for a while the coach and quarterback have probably been together for a while things along those lines. The Browns never want to seem to do that. And now we're dealing with Jacoby Brissett where the reports have really started to turn a little positive on Brissett lately. They were not positive at the start of camp. It was very bad at the start of camp. I think this is a bad Browns offense. And Josh, you kind of brought up Todd Gurley. This could be a situation like we saw in Todd Gurley the one year with uh, Jeff Fisher where the team knew it had to be Todd Gurley. So they just loaded the box and Todd Gurley wasn't able to get anything done. I like Chubb as a running back. Josh, I actually have him stat out the same as you. Second most rushing yards. I think I have him as 13 touchdowns as well. I might actually know. I think that's where we definitely are, are different is I took him down in touchdowns to only 10 because I hate the Browns offense. And so that's what's keeping him down in my rankings is I don't see this massive touchdown scoring offense. Dick Chubb could actually be a bye candidate come – october november if you believe this offense gets better with Deshaun watson because there could be a very frustrated owner who's willing to send him your way for something that that could play out very well for you so for me i love nick chubb the player easily when you watch him play one of the best running backs in the nfl for fantasy it it comes down to how i draft and if to get nick chubb you're taking him at the end of the first round and i've already said at the end of the first round it's travis kelsey and then javanta williams for me it's just not nick chubb
1: I mean, I think these are all really great points. Um, Joel, do you have anything to add? Uh,
3: no, I think they hit it. I mean, Josh is right. He he has no ceiling. He has no the way they use it, and that's that's not his fault, right? He could be he could be a pass catching back. He could be a complete back, but they they don't use him that way. I mean, they're they insist on splitting the workload. They insist on not letting him catch passes. So he has no ceiling, and I – You know, as someone who is a zero RB guy, if if you don't have that legitimate league-winning ceiling, I'm not looking at you. I don't care. So, I I love the player; he's he's not for me.
1: So. It is a really good point, and I think, especially if you're a zero RB guy, definitely don't take Nick Chubb or any of the people <laughs> well, we're talking about. Really, if you're a really,
0: but... guy, you're not paying attention to any of these people we're talking
1: about. In the top yeah, let's be honest. And you're gonna thinking. lose your league. Exactly. <laughs> <lose>. <laughs> we're not gonna have that debate it no, oh, It's a joke. It's a joke. Let's move along. I'm a more of a robust running back player myself, just cards on the table. And so, if you're taking that strategy, what I will say is that. Uh, According to fantasy pros, Nick Chubb is currently going as the RB 10 and ADP going 17th overall. So if you have kind of that one of those like mid round positions and you want to take a running back with your first round, you could land Nick Chubb as your running back two. which I don't think any of us are making an argument that he's not clearly going to be at least a running back two, And so that could be an awesome strategy for fantasy drafts. Uh, I'm going to wrap up this question by just noting I took this to Twitter earlier to see what folks thought and asked if people thought he, Nick Chubb would be a top 12 running back or not in PPR. 38% of you said, yes, Chubb is still an RB1. 56% of you said, no, nah, he's a high-end RB2, so basically right where we have him ranked. And 6% of you said he is outside the top 20, which I want to know who that person is. because. <laughs> <laughs> That's That's a take, but that sounds about right to me. And I think that aligns with our rankings. So there's a lot of other player-specific conversations we could get into. And we'll get to those if we have time. But I want to do a couple of round-robin questions because I think this is where we can be really helpful in helping people determine which running backs they should really be targeting in their fantasy drafts. So the first question I want to ask is, I want to, everybody, I'm going to go around and I'm going to have everybody talk about a player that is currently ranked as an RB2 in our consensus rankings who has the potential to be an RB1. And I hope you didn't already pick Nick Chubb because I would like you to <laughs> not pick Nick Chubb because we basically <laughs> just said that. Um, so I'm going to start with Ryan. Ryan, who's someone that's an RB2 in our rankings that you think can make the leap to an RB1?
2: Um, it's see our consensus is pretty well in line with what I feel like I don't think one of our consensus is on RB one for me when I'm looking at it, but I will say in and, and this kind of goes against my rankings, but I think the upside is there. I think the hate that the world seems to have for James Conner at this point, and we've talked about it on numerous shows. I think James Conner is a guy who, he was the RB5 last year. Um, The first thing people are going to point out is touchdown regression. What I'm going to point out to them is if you go look, and I've said this so many times, if you go look at the Arizona red zone rushing game over the last three years since Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray have been there, it's consistent. The running backs haven't been consistent, but Josh, you said it best when James Conner landed there, James Conner did all the things that Kenyon Drake couldn't do. And that's why he was likely to succeed in this offense. You were one of the front runners to call the James Conner breakout last year because you understood that for whatever reason, come hell or high water, Cliff Kingsbury is going to run the ball right up his center and guard's ass. Every single time in the red zone, but Connor succeeded in that. So I don't think the touchdown regression is as bad as people think it's going to be. And then, of course, the next thing is well, he's not going to get any of the passing work. I don't buy into the fact that Eno Benjamin or is it which one went there? Not Kieran Williams, right? The other one, Deontay Deontay Ingram. Ingram. I, I don't buy the fact that they're just going to give these lesser running backs the passing game work. The only argument you have against James Connor is injury, and I completely see it, which is why I wouldn't draft him as an RB1. But of all of these guys, James Conner seems to be the one who he he did it last year. Why couldn't he do it again this year? Yeah,
1: James Conner currently going as RB16 by ADP, according to Fantasy Pros, going 30th overall, so you can get him in your third, fourth round. In fantasy drafts, Um, I like this pick. I'm avoiding Connor personally because I worry about touchdown regression and he's never played 16 games. And there are other running backs going in that tier that I would rather have. But I think that as much as I think Darrell Williams did really well last year for Kansas City, I agree with Ryan that I don't think he's going to cut into the work enough and that Connor is going to be the number one. Big Williams cut candidate right cut now
0: too. to next week. And
2: yeah, I was just gonna say big to cut week. candidate right now. So.
1: Yeah, also fair. You know, uh, looked
0: good in camp. I will say that.
1: Take that but, for what Charlie okay. really hasn't
0: done shit the first two years. Of his <laughs> I was just gonna say.
2: Well, that and that if translates
1: if he if he did, he could take a Chase Edmonds type role in this offense. And James Conner still was the top five running back last year with Chase Edmonds taking getting the passing. So.
2: And there was this whole argument online when um, somebody, and I I apologize for not giving credit where it was due, said that you can expect more of a 2020 version of the offense with James Conner and a Kenyon Drake role. That is still the kind of end zone production and red zone production that you need for James Conner to succeed and score these touchdowns. Yes, it is not as much passing work as you want it to be, but if the touchdowns are there, and I think they will be, it doesn't matter. Touchdowns can hide a lot of things, and yes, Hardest stat to predict whatsoever. But if you go and look at red zone carries and how consistent they are, specifically with Arizona, I used to have these stats. They were very similar for three consecutive years. There's no reason to think all of a sudden this year it's completely different. So,
1: Yeah, and uh, I don't remember exactly the stat, but I believe this came from Robert Mays um, with the Athletic Football Show talking about the two top two running backs in terms of red zone touches. And it was Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. And that was back from 2020 numbers. So just emphasizing your point, Ryan, they're still going to run the ball in the red zone. Uh, Joel, we're going to come to you next. Who's a running back two that you think has the chance to make up make it up into the top 12 and be an RB one this year.
3: Well, I'll say I, my choice would have been Connor too. And I agree with everything Ryan said. So, uh, so I'll go with A.J. Dillon. Uh, A.J. Dillon is basically Derrick Henry in a different offense. Uh, Those were the he, two I was choosing between. <laughs> Great job, Joel. <laughs> good thing I have I mean, a different
0: answer. Otherwise, this show would be boring.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think we've all said that, you know, with with Devontae Adams gone, it's going to be a much more run-centric offense. Uh, it's been good news, kind of getting Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins back off the pup list earlier than was expected. Yeah, uh, We'll see when they get on the field, but it should be, they wouldn't take him off the pup if they didn't think they were going to be able to play within the first couple of weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make it to Minnesota just because it's on turf and it, that may not be the best place to bring him back. But once those guys get back, that's an elite offensive line. They are going to run the ball more. Uh, and you know, I, I don't want to make this about Aaron Jones, but he's, you know, he's a guy who misses games here and there. Uh, missed a couple games last year with the spring MCL, came back pretty quickly, but, you know, he did miss those games. Um, it, Dylan's got a chance to be, he's got a chance to be Derrick Henry. And, you know, Matt LaFleur was Derrick Henry's offensive coordinator his, his year in Tennessee. So um, I, I don't think there's going to be any issue with with that usage if if he gets the opportunity.
1: I love it. AJ Dillon currently going as running back 26, according to fantasy pros, ADP, uh, Josh, we're going to come to you. Who is your RB two that has a chance to be an RB one this year?
0: For me, just based on this list, um, I'm going to look at Travis Etienne. Um, I mean, I I, I think Brees Hall is an easy choice just simply because of the athletic profile. Um, you know, Plus everything that he's capable of. And everybody hates him now. So, you know, <laughs> hey, sure, let, let's get a discount because apparently Michael Carter is the RB1. Let's stop being stupid, people. Um, you know, rookie RBs, they find their way into the top 10. It, it's just, it, it happens. And we know this system going from, you know, the Kyle Shanahan, like they produce legitimate running backs and legitimate starting running backs, especially if they're given opportunities And Brees Hall has that. But for me, I like Travis Etienne in this situation, just from the, the pass catching perspective. Um, We know how talented he is as a pass catcher. We saw it all, you know, throughout his years at Clemson. Um, We know that uh, Trevor Lawrence played with him for three years in Clemson. They already have a built-in rapport. Yes. I understand they spent 18 million on Christian Kirk, but if, Trevor Lawrence has more familiarity throwing out of the slot to Travis Etienne versus Christian Kirk. He doesn't care how much homeboys getting paid. He's going to go with the guy that is going. He knows is going to make the play, and and for him that's Etienne. So, um, you know, I've Etienne at sixty three targets this year, which I think could very easily go up. I also think it could very easily go down. Um, you know, the the last few years just from a, a Doug Peterson coached offense, um, you know in terms of target share to running backs, you know, you're looking at 20 ish percent of targets. Um, so, I mean, it's not anything too crazy high. Um, so maybe it could, it's not there. And I know a lot of people are really hyping it up just because we saw it in college, but you know, if Marvin Jones isn't like deceased yet, He's still going to see some targets. We know that Evan Ingram is going to see targets. So, like, he's still going to be third, maybe even fourth in the pecking order. But if Ingram still can't catch the football, which he hasn't proven that he can't do. Again, if Jones falls off because he's 32 years old. If Christian Kirk realizes if the Jaguars realize that Christian Kirk can't play outside. He's not going to see the, the level of targets that I think a lot of people think he will. That's going to open up doors for ETN, which blows the ceiling through the roof. And when you look at a lot of these guys here in this range, outside of maybe Jacobs, who I love just from a, a touchdown perspective, obviously I've mentioned Brees Hall. ETN has that seal to me.
2: One thing I just want to add for Josh, because you mentioned, you know, you, you can make the argument for running back targets. But if you look at Doug Peterson, it's a little bit harder to make. The one thing Doug Peterson doesn't have here is, and this may come across as sacrilege some, but two very good tight ends. Evan Ingram could be. We haven't seen it. Dan Arnold, he's a fan favorite. I love Dan Arnold as much as the next guy. But this isn't Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. So the target share that was going to tight ends while Doug Peterson was around was something Hindi like 30 to 40 percent range with that number coming down all of a sudden there are targets that could find their way to the running back
0: (laughs) yeah but I mean he's throwing two tight ends because all they had was Jordan Matthews or Nelson Aguilar (laughs) as their wide receiver one like here's the thing there's not much different scenario here in Jacksonville they don't really have legit wide receivers
2: yeah and and that's what I mean so yeah with no legit wide receivers and no legit tight ends these are the top targets that could funnel their way to etn to to make that boost to rb1 territory i I agree with you buddy
1: yeah uh to wrap this up for me it's david montgomery of course he's done it before he was the rb3 in 2020 last year weeks 10 through 17 he was top i think he was rb7 he was a top 10 rb and That was even after Khalil Herbert became the first running back in like two or three years to have a hundred rushing yards against against Tampa Bay. Like Khalil Herbert, I like him a lot. He's a dynasty sash for me, but he went and ran all over Tampa Bay and they still put David Montgomery back in the number one running back role when he got back healthy. So I think. Right now, Montgomery's ADP is way too low in my mind. You can get them in the third round of drafts, um, so that's my candidate to go from RB two to RB one. But to to transition into our next question, I want to come back to the fact that Joel has been talking about how he is a zero RB drafter. And so, Joel, I first want to ask you: Are you drafting any of these running backs that we have discussed so far? Like, where do, where does the threshold? Get for when you get your first running back in the zero RB strategy.
3: Um, typically, it's going to be around round seven or something like that. Something like that because I want to get I want to get my full slate of wide receivers. I want to fill my flex with receivers. I want to get an elite tight end. I want to get an elite quarterback. Uh, so by the time you do that, you're probably looking around you know round seven. I want to fill all those other spots before I start looking at running back. Um, and the guys that I'm going to start looking at are. Embrace uncertainty, right? The Buffalo backfield. Oh, we're worried about James Cook. Oh, we're worried about, what's his face, having a good good camp. Zach Moss. Moss. Whatever. Zach Moss, seriously? No. Give me Devin Singletary all day long. If that's my RB1, I'm fine with that. If I've got a ton of wide receivers, I'm okay with that. The New England backfield. Oh, they're going to split time with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson and What's Ty Montgomery going to do? I don't care what Ty Montgomery's going to do. I'm going to, take, <laughs> I'm going to take the other guys, and I'm going to be fine with it. And I'm going to start them. And then I'm going to take I'm going to take your handcuffs, right? You want Tony Pollard for Zeke Elliott? Nope, I got him. You want Alex Madison? I don't know if Alex Madison is still the guy, but typically he has been. Um, if you want that guy for Dalvin Cook, you want to draft Ed Montgomery? I'll take Lou Herbert all day long. So th- those are the kind of guys I'm, I'm looking for. Embrace the uncertainty and take other people's handcuffs those guys are gonna nope. get hurt eventually
1: yeah and i love that and i will say what happens if somebody else is like i'm gonna take other people's handcuffs and then you they just end it. up not
3: you end up pissing off the room and it. it's awesome that's the best part right. so <laughs> your think,
1: goal is Austin's to get their handcuffs be before they do because I, exactly. I was saying what if they get them before you do
2: oh okay i thought you
3: were gonna say what if they don't want to trade for them <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they do, that's fine. There's other guys that can go out there. Isaiah Spiller. I'll go after Isaiah Spiller. I'll, Josh Kelly, come on. I'll go after Isaiah Spiller and back up <laughs> Austin Eckler. Uh, you know, find the guys you want and go get them. That's something you, can, you know, Like a 12, 10-team league, sometimes you can get Elijah Mitchell in the, in the seventh round. I was just saying, yeah. a guy like Damian
2: Pierce, who he's steadily climbing up ADP, but what I find interesting is a lot of the people who are going to start drafting in the next two weeks aren't going to be drafting Damian Pierce very highly because they don't know who the hell Damian Pierce is and they're avoiding Houston and they're going to see the name Marlon Mack. And while you say, well, the leagues I play in are full of smart people, and that's absolutely fine. But what I will always tell people is the ADP is still going to drop on whatever site you're seeing as they have more data and more drafts. And that's going to push Damian Pierce a few rounds down and a few rounds down. And this is where I use my draft queue. We talk about this on the mock draft show all the time. Damian Pierce is one of the very first guys I go in and put a star next to his name because I need to pay attention to when his ADP is falling and when he is about to show up on everybody else's board if they don't go scrolling, because that's when I take him. When the, he's about to pop up on the high running back board on the top seven running backs, he's never gonna get a chance to pop up on that screen because that's when I'm going to
3: take him. So And I will just say I'm I'm not happy about the preseason hype because I loved him as a prospect and he was know gonna be he was <laughs> gonna be a guy I was in on and now he he may be getting too high. So.
2: I was gonna say, Damian Pierce too hot for zero running back draft. We saw yeah. that happening.
1: Got to <laughs> love the preseason. No, Anybody can be Joel, a star in the preseason. It. Yeah, no, that's great intel. Um, I did want to just briefly address this uh, question that we got in the chat um, and just yeah, speak good. a little bit to the ADP. So, seen Hall go second round—that's a—is that a reach? Um, and we. Did respond in the chat, but I just wanted to say over the stream that, yeah, it's a bit of a reach right now. Brees Hall is going 50th overall in ADP, according to Fantasy Pros. So he's going in the fifth round oh, yeah. in most drafts. Um, some people might take a reach for him on the fourth round. So I think you can wait third, fourth round to go for Brees Hall if you're invested in him. And he might is. start falling.
2: I was just say I don't know that the reward's worth the risk. Like I understand you want Brees Hall, but if you have to take him in the second round to steal him from your league mates, just wait. There's there's other people there. I know I know Joel ain't taking his ass in the second round. So.
1: Awesome. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I love talking rankings with you all and getting some intel into your strategy and some insight into how you're thinking of players. It helps me think of some players differently. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Josh to talk about women of fantasy football as we Actually, wrap you up guys the show. have
2: five more minutes. There's one more player I want to talk about, and there's no way we would Is have it? skipped him. If Steve was here, go for it. <laughs> What's everyone's take on Antonio Gibson at this point? Because obviously the preseason reports and Joel, we, we kind of talked about this in the group chat. He's kind of a, A zero RB guys dream right now, based on what he did last year and with everything falling and he's likely to continue to fall. And then the report today that he's the best kick returner on the team. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So, like, It's very interesting to me because I, I originally had him as like a top 11 running back. This is a month or two ago. And I have slowly, but steadily followed the Brian Robinson drum beat and just kept, Stealing touches away from Antonio Gibson and then the fumbles and then the starting on special teams, which everybody really hated when David Montgomery was playing on special teams. And so now we're seeing the exact same thing happening with Antonio Gibson. But the fact of the matter is he was the RB 10 last year and could be a hell of a pass catcher if they choose to use him that way. So in honor of Steve, who would have him as an RB one for sure. And he would have been the guy he talked about in that segment. If if he doesn't stat out as an RB one, however it is right now, I would like to know where you guys stand on him because I'm just very confused at this point.
3: I'll go on a rant for Steve here. Let's, let's look at Antonio Gibson objectively. All right. In two years. He's put up 2,300 yards from scrimmage, cut 80 passes, 23 touchdowns, right? Despite playing injured most of the time because he's been put, played out of position with hot buttered garbage quarterbacks and the most uncreative, unimaginative offensive coordinator in the league who is, when you look up nepotism in the dictionary, it cross reference <laughs> Scott Turner, all right? What more can this guy do? What more does Ron Rivera want to see from him? You want to put him as a kick return? He probably is their best kick returner. So it was that, such that's an fine. interesting thing. Why wouldn't he be your best kick returner? <laughs> he probably is. If there is a 10% chance that he gets traded, I am all over him. Give me some, put him on a team with a coach that knows what to do with him, that can make him into you know what they want to do with Tony Pollard and Dallas, make him a sl- RB slash big slot. He could go nuts. So if if you want to let him fall, I will take him all day long. I I don't think people are letting him, I don't think people believe it. I mean, I'm in a bunch of dynasty leagues and I put out like probably 15 trade offers for him and I haven't gotten a bite on any of them. So, gotcha. and they were not low ball offers or anything like that. Just legitimate straight up offers at, you know, 90, 95 cents on the dollar and nobody's selling them. So I don't think, I don't think the community at large believes this bullshit coming out.
0: They
1: don't
3: want to take a loss on them. Yep. That's the other side of it. Like you invested
0: higher in Antonio Gibson. So why at this point would I say, all right, I'm going to, you know, just sell him off to wipe the hands clean and be done with it. Like people, they still believe in the talent. And I think that's the disconnect between the NFL and us as fantasy managers, right? We we know the guy has talent. We see the stats at the end of the day. But it, really what it matters is if the coach doesn't like the player, he's useless to us. So it's like, you know, and this is where, you know, I grapple with with Steve's opinion. Like, yeah, I'm going to rank Antonio Gibson this high because I believe in the talent. Well, that does you no fucking good if the coach doesn't give a shit. You're wasting a draft pick at that point, you know? So like, Ryan, I'm kind of on your side where it's like, you know, slowly kind of just taking carries away and, and he's moving down the rankings. But I'm also at a point too where it's like when I'm sitting in drafts and I'm looking at, you know, a team's wide receiver two on a really shitty offense. Why wouldn't I just say, you know what? I believe well, in Gibson's talent. So I'm not going to waste a pick on, you know, a crappy wide receiver two. And Austin, I want to let you talk as well. But just in that same example, Josh, in best ball
2: mania, he is a pariah right now. He's falling to round six, round seven. I would venture to guess. I've probably done three best ball mania drafts this week. I've got him in every single one. Like, cause exactly what you just said. When I'm looking at who's there, why the hell am I not going to take Antonio Gibson? So.
1: Yeah, and I think, to me, that's like part of the problem, though, for redraft is you, you when you're doing redraft, you're not just drafting for the upside. I'm fine yeah. taking him in best ball leagues right now, but my thing about him being RB10 last year is there were a lot of running back injuries last year. Like, he, in part, if Derrick Henry plays all... 16 yeah. games and cmc is healthy and saquon barkley is healthy and nick chubb doesn't miss time and kareem hunt doesn't miss time like he's not a top he's not a top 10 quarterback or running back at that point so that's part of my thing i think the thing too is like they took brian robinson on day two of the nfl draft day two running backs they tend to get a little bit of a run and I, when that happened, it was a little bit like, oh, I don't like that landing spot for Brian Robinson because Antonio Gibson's there. And I was originally optimistic about Brian Robinson. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, actually, no, this makes me nervous for Antonio Gibson because what is Robinson good at? He's good at pass blocking and he's good at running between the tackles. And so I think that takes snaps away from Gibson and takes touches away from him, which is my biggest concern. I think Joel's point about being pissed at Ron Rivera is also part of the reason that I'm not in on Antonio Gibson, because if he's not going to be in a system that's going to value him and use him uh, to his advantages and use his skills. Why, why take the draft pick right now? Don't sit around and wait for
2: Scott Turner to start using him like Debo Samuel. That's not going to work out for
0: you. (laughs) Yeah. That whole comment. I'm just like, you know what? (laughs) This is the new thing right now, right? It's I want the next Debo. I want the next Cordero Patterson. That's not in every offensive coordinator's wheelhouse. Well, let's not forget like, if you want the
2: next Cordell Patterson, they better be a 12-year NFL veteran who's. I was about to, to
0: say, to like, do we really to want to sit and wait for those mutual <laughs> funds to, like, you know, get get to this point? Like, ain't nobody got that fucking time of day. Let's be real. It.
2: The next Cordell Patterson, if it's if it's Rashad White, that means We're he's still not six doing years shit down the road right. for the next nine years.
1: So. Yeah. I mean, and I think this is a good point and we all use it to close out this segment before handing it over to Josh is the reason that the Cordo or Patterson's the Jamar chases the Cooper cups, the whoever are such anomalies and become such talking points in fantasy football is because they're outliers and they don't, they're not trends. You don't make trend lines off of outliers. You say, huh, that's interesting. What caused that outlier? And you can try and understand what caused that like if we're just talking from a data perspective and use some information to predict future outliers, but that's like four outliers in the past two years. And there are dozens and dozens of NFL players. And we have so much more data going back over time of fantasy running backs and receivers that you just can't predict that. And so I'm not going to draft Gibson predicting um, a top one. I mean, this time last year, we were saying he could be a CMC yeah 2.0 and that never panned out and so yeah, you remember I think... all
2: that time cmc spent on
1: special teams <laughs> <laughs> exactly the last thing i'll say is if i follow already them have old, gibson man,
0: follow them <laughs>
1: if i'm already if i already have gibson i'm holding at this point i'm not trading him away because i do think that it is uh easy to Buy into preseason hype and preseason narratives too much. And so I wouldn't be trading him away right now. I want to see what he does week one. And uh if he is not the clear first running back week one, then I'm gonna start considering getting rid of him and trading him. But at this point, I think you hold and wait to see what happens when actual NFL is being played.
3: One thing real quick, Austin, when you listed off all those RBs who got hurt last year, that's why you go zero RB. There you go. <laughs> Take Antonio Gibson in the sixth round for an RB ten season. Derrick Henry is your problem. Yeah, CMC <laughs> is your problem, not mine.
1: I should have saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Josh, we have some incredible stuff to plug and talk for this month. Talk about for this I month.
0: Do yes, we do. So we are heading into the final week of our annual women of fantasy football event hosted by faith enos and kelly singh um so far we have raised uh, almost two thousand dollars for our scholarship fund uh with galvanize an organization headed by fox sports sideline reporter Laura Oakman um and it's all about teaching and mentoring young women who want to get into the space and develop careers in sports um, So, last week, we gave away a signed Jamar Chase jersey and a signed Deion Sanders jersey. So, we are capping this event with a couple of more signed jerseys. We have a signed Larry Fitzgerald Arizona Cardinals jersey and the consensus QB1 in fantasy this year, a signed... Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills jersey. You can head over to womenoffantasyfootball.com. You can click on the jersey or the, uh, the graphic there that has a picture of both of the jerseys. It will take you over to the site where you can purchase your raffle tickets. Those raffle tickets are $5 a piece. You can buy as many as you want. The person that won the Jamar Chase jersey last week, or excuse me, yesterday, Wednesday, uh, 40 tickets they purchased. They made sure that they were leaving with that Jamar Chase jersey. So, if you want any of these jerseys, highly recommend you ponying up some dough here. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, five dollars for raffle ticket. hundred percent of the ticket sales go into the scholarship fund. Uh, when we set this out for you know four weeks ago, our goal was we wanted to at least hit 2,500. Uh, we're well within that range of outcomes and I'm over the moon overjoyed um with the response that we've gotten through you know the first three weeks of this event um and uh, trading text with Laura she is heart eyes like cannot believe the response that we've gotten in helping uh assist these women that you know want to pursue these careers um and it, you know obviously it makes everything a lot easier for Laura so Uh, as i mentioned womenoffantasyfootball.com that's where you can go there's all the information with uh, guests that are coming up this week we have ashley marie who is the social media manager uh, with the undroppables she's also an alumnus of galvanize she attended the uh, galvanize uh, boot camp with the los angeles chargers uh in july this year so it's going to be fun kind of talking to her and um you know learning a little bit about what galvanize does and and you know, for a lot of people that just kind of read about it on a website or really just kind of hear us talk about it. So it'll be nice to get some, you know, kind of firsthand knowledge there. Uh, And then we're ending our Women of Fantasy shows with Jen Eakins from 444 Football. Um, Really excited to have Jen on. We haven't had a chance to get her on any of our shows, and she does a lot of really good work in the fantasy space. So uh, it'll be really cool to kind of hear from her and uh, kind of her journey, you know, into this world of fantasy football.
1: Awesome. I love it. I love this month. Love doing the women of fantasy football shows. It's been awesome to watch those and raise a bunch of money for a really great cause. Um, with that. We're and shout out to our- you
0: and Joel. You guys, you, you buy tickets every single week. And I'm sad that you guys haven't won anything yet, but thank you for your guys'
1: donations. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you can find all of our rankings on our website, clubfantasyffl.com. We also have 32 team player profile articles on our website that you can check out as you prep for your drafts. Once again, our rankers, myself, Austin Amandalia at underscore at Austin underscore FFL. Messed up my own Twitter handle. It's going to be a power
2: move right there. Putting the underscore first. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's going to go really well. Uh, Josh Hudson at the one Hudsonian. Ryan Weiss at the Fantasy Five, Joel Worth at the Joel Worth, and couldn't join us tonight, but Chris Molina at ChrisMo2413 and Steve Austin at FF by Committee. We'll see you next week for our consensus wide receiver rankings next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And remember, defense wins championships. Offense wins fantasy football. Good night, y'all.